As a nationally recognized thought leader on health equity, community, and social health, our next guest has dedicated his work and mission to solving healthcare's complexities through thoughtful innovation. Dr. Michael Peterson, Chief Clinical Innovation Officer at NTT Data Services, joins us to discuss how his journey as an emergency medicine pediatrician at several large health systems, including five years as Chief of Pediatrics, has positioned him to drive industry value through patient-centric experiences, data analytics, and leading-edge technologies. Additionally, Dr. Peterson shares why the power of partnerships is critical to solving the issues that have held the healthcare industry back for so long. Join us for this conversation as we continue to work together to move the health of our nation forward. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Peterson, welcome to our podcast. I'm honored to be able to spend some time with you today. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. The honor's all mine. Glad to be here. Well, given your passion and national thought leadership on health equity, community, and social health, as well as your incredible and unwavering support of healthcare innovators and startups, we certainly have a lot to cover today. But before we dive into your story journey, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Michael, it's almost time for our community to learn how you are leveraging your incredible expertise, passion, and mission while serving as a Chief Clinical Innovation Officer at NTT Data Services. But first, I'm going to randomly select an icebreaker question so we can get to know you. Ooh, we're talking love for hobby. What's your passion? What's that one thing you love to do outside of your work and moving the healthcare industry forward? Sure. Thanks, Michael. Photography. I got the bug when I was in the army. When you're 18 and with nothing to do, you figure out a hobby. And I bought a used camera off a soldier who needed the extra money. And I learned, I mean, if I describe to my children today what original photography was like, they're like, oh, that's so boring. But I learned how to develop, print my photos. And so, to this day, I really enjoy just the art of photography and probably would have pursued that career if medicine wasn't a dream job for me. Michael, I was going to go there. So I'm right there with your kids. I'm like, is there something about the actual hard copy of an image? You have these fancy cameras now. I'm not a photographer myself. Sure. These fancy cameras, these digital cameras. And yeah, you get the digital image and that's great. But is there something about the hard copy and the process of actually taking an image and producing it? Yeah, I think there is, Mike. What I would say is there is an art form to that because what we take for granted today is that our iPhones are just as powerful as if you think about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, as those four megabyte, I mean, they're even more powerful than that. And you can edit instantly and people just don't have a sense of how hard that really is to do manually. I think there is a clarity and there's some sort of like a mental meditation way when you're developing the film and you're developing these prints. I think that's my favorite part is actually developing another print. And you see something that is nothing from your head to the lens 
of something that you see. And it doesn't matter what the technology is, the principles of true photography still exist, whether you use an iPhone or you use a Lycia or a Canon EOS camera. They are the same composition, subject, all those things. So to me, that original art phone, A, dates me, but also at the same time, allows me to really have fun with the iPhone and do some incredible shots. All right, one last question. I'm going to put you on the sure. spot. What is yep. the coolest thing you've ever photographed, whether it be an object, an animal? What is, a, yeah. what is that one thing that sticks out? Hands down, I got to go to Egypt when I was in college. So I got the pictures of the pyramids, but it's actually going to Abu Simbel. I've got this really cool black and white photo. And this is down really near the Sudanese border. So you have to take a, a long flight down there from Aswan. And when you're down there, the ruins that are found in Indiana Jones, the third one, where they go find these ruins that are actually in Jordan. But this one, it's so far south and the fact that it was discovered, but they're these so huge. But what's really cool is uh, just the detail. And so anyways, one of my favorite black and white pictures that I've ever taken was that. I'm, no one's ever asked me that. So thanks for that. <laughs> there you go. I had to put you on the spot. So thanks for sharing that. It's an area of the world I really want to get to. I cannot wait for this pandemic to lift. Oh, cool. same here. So we can get back on the road. And it's one of the areas top of my list for sure. Well, thank you for sharing your love of photography and sharing where the best and most memorable place was that you've ever photographed. And I'm looking forward to discussing your journey and mission at NTT Data Services after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. With rising burnout, malpractice, digital and personal risks, clinicians face greater than a million dollar liability. And in today's climate, busy frontline healthcare workers don't have the capacity to attend to these risky blind spots. But the AdaptTrack team is bringing hope and solutions to the healthcare industry. AdaptTrack's mission is to help clinicians and their practice teams work and live better. AdaptTrack's 30-second nudges unlock Category 1 continuing medical education credits along with insurance savings while meeting the busy clinician where they are. On Clubhouse, during weekend nature walks, through all of HELPS, from this podcast, and over 3,000 additional work-life moments. To learn more about AdaptTrack and how you can engage in active learning that drives a 5x plus ROI, a 30x time savings, and an experience clinicians will love, head over to AdaptTrack.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Dr. Michael Peterson, Chief Clinical Innovation Officer at NTT Data Services and one of the biggest champions for healthcare innovation, innovators, startups, and just moving the industry forward. Because if there's anybody that believes that we can do it, it is Dr. Michael Peterson. I've been friends with you for a number of years. I've been honored to be able to collaborate with you on a number of things from our Together.Health initiative to being out on the road when we used to go to those things called conferences. I know they're starting to come back slowly, but surely, Yeah. but it has just been a true joy and honor to be able to call you a friend, a colleague, and somebody that I can learn from and continue to work alongside to push this industry forward. But of course, Dr. Peterson, you didn't start out as a technology innovator. You were there on the front lines delivering care. You are a physician. Take us back. Take us how you got into healthcare, your passion, your love sure. for it. We'll talk a little bit then, of course, what's going on at NTT Data Services. It's a recent transition for you over there. Very exciting. And then what's happening? What's on the horizon? What are you seeing as one of our nation's thought leaders that we need to be thinking about? And then, of course, how we can be helping you. But first, let's take it back a bit. How the heck did you get in all of this in the first place, especially coming as a frontline care provider initially? Thanks, Michael. I have to give you a shout out too. I feel like I've made it when I'm having this conversation with you. You're a luminary in this space and 
I will never play football against you. So I do know that. Hey man, I was just a field goal kicker, man. That's all. It doesn't matter. You still have to make tackles. Hey, you know what I do say? I had the same exact scholarship as the linebacker and the quarterback. So that's right. Yeah, there you go. And you actually were one of the higher scorers on the team, other than the quarterback, running backs and receivers, right? So there There is some positive to it. So don't minimize it. We don't have enough time to give you the, this is your life moment, but I will share just briefly that my decision to be a physician is informed by a simple decision my dad made to adopt me from Vietnam when I was two. So I was born of unknown parents and this soldier said, hey, we can't have kids. I think I can make a difference. And his ripple effect is profound. And growing up, he didn't say, this is my big bet. This kid's going to do something. He was actually glad that I just graduated high school. How I got into medicine and went into the front lines and where I'm at today was informed by that. And I think about that every day, which is we all interact with people in ways. And if you think about healthcare, it is driven by interactions. It is driven by humans talking to humans. All the technology and all of that stuff helps surround it. But at the end of the day, it's a normal day for work for a clinician, but for someone else, Aaron Meary, the luminary from the CIO for UT Health posted it today and I loved it, was this advice from a patient. And really it's about that it's their biggest day of their life, that moment. For me, as I went in the army, I realized that I wanted a job that made a difference. And that's sort of where I really, as a true North, where I wanted to go. And healthcare was that. So I felt that I knew in med school and pre-med that I wanted to be a pediatrician because I felt my dad helped me as a kid. I could help children as well. What I really learned in that journey, though, Mike, is that on the front lines of healthcare, I worked in predominantly underserved communities and I did pediatric emergency medicine, which is the most rewarding experience I've had for work. But I recognized at that time in the weeds that I didn't realize when you're doing it for so many years that the care we were delivering, as well as it, good as it might be from the technology, the education, the nurses, doctors, staffing, we were doing very little to impact the outcomes for some of the patients we were taking care of in these underserved communities. So I started to become the student of what was going on. And you talk to patients and you do find out that social determinants of health and these health equity impacts were minimizing their opportunity to have better outcomes. So if I do everything right for an asthma visit for someone who has asthma exacerbation and we give them the right medicines and everything, if they come back within 48 hours, sometimes we used to look at like, what did we do wrong? But it turns out It's a vicious cycle. So that experience in that lens and actually seeing, I grew up in a lower middle-class family. My dad worked two jobs. So my brother and I could have everything we need, but by no means did we have the same life that some of the people that I've seen who had adverse child events or they had poverty so bad that they, whatever challenges that they had, food insecurity, but interacting and trying to help them was a challenge. I couldn't, I had this almost moral injury that if I did ask them about some challenge that was a part of the social terms of health, whether it be transportation or food insecurity, the best I could do was give them a social worker consultation. So it was those experiences that informed this desire to widen the angle aperture using the photography experience here of my lens as, as a physician. Instead of these transactional experiences, I really felt as a tech geek and person who really loves technology, How can I widen that lens and shift it just about 20 degrees to the left and start to think about how to have a population health impact? And that's how I got into Accenture. I started out in the Medicaid space and was a medical director and senior medical director for 
the Medicaid business and learn operations. And that really taught me sort of the structure of technology and the really rigor that is involved to make things run. And then within Accenture, I had this opportunity to just grow and had a lot of leading initiatives around opioid epidemic. And it was in this trying to solve the opioid epidemic through data and technology that I really saw, again, these social determinants of health and health equity challenges across the board for underserved communities, whether they're rural white families or they're urban Hispanic or Latinx or African-American families, that they were challenged by these same themes, which were mental health, mental slash behavioral health, social health, and physical health. That led me to help create a health equity offering and really just passionate about trying to take this technology company and say, there is an innovation imperative here for us. When you think, before I get to NTT data, when you reflect back on the impact of this pandemic on communities of color, underserved communities, these health inequities were just in the pandemic and vaccine equity themes just illuminated the fractures in our public health system and our ability to deliver those themes around there. So I'll stop there and I can take a break and go back to the NTT. I don't want to occupy the whole time. No, I mean, this is very helpful, Michael, because it really is going to set the stage and it's to a broader topic right now that we're dealing with in healthcare. Everybody says healthcare is broken, healthcare is broken. And is it, everything's in silos and the, you know, technology's not working and we're going to get into all yeah. that. And what does that mean? And is there hope? Yeah. You're one of our key thought leaders that brings so much hope and passion to the front line every day that we can't in fact get there. But setting the stage as you did, I think it's important. And you mentioned it earlier, you mentioned that healthcare at the end of the day are conversations, right? And that technology should help surround that to amplify and lift that up some more. Did you see that even when you were on the front lines, how technology was holding you back as a physician or maybe even the opposite? Was it helping you? What were you seeing early on that really turned that passion on for technology and healthcare? Yeah, that's a great question. And I do want to get to how I got to NTT Data Services too, because the, the opportunity here to drive these changes is really phenomenal. Oh yeah, we're going to for sure. Get ready. Okay, perfect. Yeah, no, I, what I saw on the front lines, the not original story is obviously your EHR, right? But that's not really, that's one, I would say, small piece, right? That's more around the delivery of healthcare is really, again, back to this interaction. So it's getting an understanding and listening what the patient's needs are. And so you are structured and, you know, let's be realistic. I was in the front lines of the emergency room. So it's a different type of care setting. It's fast paced. It's, I need these five answers. I don't have, there isn't a lot of time to really dig into some of these other themes. One, a couple, several things where I think technology was a burden or impeded is obviously the need to continuously chart, et cetera. That's fine. But it's also the technology that's outside of the EHR and outside of the care that I'm providing. It might be that despite the mom providing us where her pharmacy is, and we electronically send that there, she could not get transportation to go to that pharmacy to get there. Or I think the biggest part that impedes the delivery of care right now is that there's so many inputs, alerts, and information, as we all know this narrative, but the ability of the clinician have the right information to make the right decision, but more importantly, to have all these, as data becomes exponentially more voluminous, that you're going to need something to augment my ability to consume the right quality data and maybe 
proactively understand what my decision and what three decisions are going to nudge that person to a better longitudinal care outcome versus this transactional experience. So that's one of the themes we've learned from COVID and all the previous history of how we practice, right? Which is, it was the most predictable event. We've known that it was an epidemic would come at some point, but our health system is really proactive. I am sick. I go to the doctor. I have an injury. I go to the doctor. That makes sense. But there is this, nah, I'll go when I need it versus what can I do to prevent some of these things that are more on the the chronic end. So I do think that's some of the themes around technology. And there's just a lot of inputs, right? It's not just the EHR, but it's also sensors and other outside information that you have to consume, whether it's radiographs or uh, radiology studies. There's just a lot of information in a short amount of time. So you're basically trying to make the best decision with this very minimal time frame. Now, the art of medicine still does exist. There's nothing technology can intercede on this, which is that the art of medicine is bedside manner. And if you have really, truly empathetic ability to listen and have that interaction with somebody, 95% of diagnosis is in the story, in the H&P. And I taught my residents that, and I teach people that today. Really, all the technology doing is really enabling me to confirm what I've been taught to know. But It's also allowed me to think outside of either differential diagnosis or other things. Technology is not going to take that art of medicine away, but it does, I think, create some barriers for the clinicians to kind of stick to that art. I couldn't agree more. As you know, my full-time job is not as a podcaster quite yet. Maybe one day. One day. I devote my (laughs) efforts at Olive and our CEO at Olive, Sean Lane, phenomenal leader. It's why I'm here. And he puts out a quarterly letter and it's actually, I want to read just a quick snippet of it because it's going to tee up to share with us all the wonderful things that you're heading up as a chief clinical innovation officer at NCT Data Services. But to your point, he said this in his most recent quarterly letter. He said, when I entered healthcare a decade ago, it felt like a broken record of grumbling and panels and fireside chats. I constantly heard healthcare executives were luddites and not ready to change. But when I met with hundreds of executives, I found exactly the opposite. The problem is not the executives in healthcare. The problem is not the 16 million dedicated healthcare workers. The problem is healthcare technology companies. We had built some pretty mediocre products. However, when I looked around for the builders, the engineers, or the R&D budgets that could withstand bold new technology, I found a shocking reality. It was virtually a ghost town. And so when we think about leaders like you taking us into a new frontier that I know we can do it, that's why yeah. I love working alongside you and the people that we surround ourselves with on the daily. We can, in fact, get there. There's no reason why we can't. We have some of the brightest, most passionate people on the face of the planet in this country. I know we can solve for this. And so with that, I'm teeing you up, Dr. Peterson. Recent new stint over at NTT Data Services, Chief Clinical Innovation Officer. What's going down? What's all the good trouble yeah. you're causing? Hit us. Right. No, I love it. I think what Sean mentioned at all is absolutely true. I totally concur. And I think of all of the people that you see sort of this marketing view of medicine. So yeah, NTT Data Services is for me an opportunity of a lifetime. I have, there's this natural progression to become a chief medical officer. But what this does is this really niche role, which is really about NTT Data Services saying, we believe that we can help our clients evolve to what you're describing, which is to get past this, helping our clients understand that 
It's about patient experiences. How do we bring the best, but listen to the clients and understand what is it that they're trying to solve? And what happens is it's disconnected, right? You have an IT shop who's servicing their business, which might be a multitude of agendas and strategies. If you just interact in that health IT space, you don't have the opportunity to talk to the business side. And so what my role will be is to help our clients really think about how do we take advantage of this new imperative post-pandemic? How do we make them more resilient? How do we take their minimal investments that they do have and maximize opportunities for them to deliver higher quality care? That's their goal. That's a mission. I think that what tends to happen and what was you just described in that wonderful quote is that there's a, I would say there's a complacent thinking process that doesn't allow people to take chances or to make decisions beyond it's better to not make a decision. Or if I just do a small little pilot, it doesn't work. Well, I knew it wasn't going to work. So I didn't really waste anything. And if you think about what people had to do, why post-pandemic, you're going to see a lot of investment in innovation and they're going to be in the technologies. But what you'll see is this notion of trying to have high impact, but really this imperative to innovate. And we did that during the pandemic, right? Obviously, our luminarian and a colleague of ours, David Nash, said it's pushed 10 years in months, right? We, and Karen DeSalvo, another friend of ours, said that it accelerated and catalyzed health companies of all types and entities to evolve and innovate on the fly. So what we will bring is clinical credential. You need experts in these rooms. So often, and you and I are very familiar with the startup world, so they have great ideas. But if you've never stayed up at three in the morning with a patient and understand what their fears, what it takes to help them along, designing the best digital app for them to engage with, if you don't understand, if you build the best app and no one uses it, it doesn't work. So bringing that mindset, and it's not just me, but it's a group of talented people that who have different aspects that understand. I'm not a design thinking person in the sense that I, that's not what I do for a living, but we bring design thinking experts as to a lot of firms. So it's really bringing the best of a team to solve a problem. And everyone, I think the industry tries to solve it all. And I'm a fan of really thinking about what is the clinical or the actual problem you're trying to solve and solve it that and just do an inventory. What do we have a tech? What's the root cause? And then A to B and, and what's the journey? I think what ends up happening is all these shiny objects, people are trying to find a, how to fit it into the problem. So I have this technology, let's go find a problem that this technology can solve and not the opposite. We don't do that in medicine, right? I don't have an x-ray and go room to room and go, hey, I'm going to take your picture just in case we can find something. I listen first, find out what the problem is. And then I have an array of technologies, labs, and things that can help me make my decision to help solve it. And so that's sort of the rationale for a chief clinical innovation officer, which is to innovate within the culture of our own firm, but also externally have this really collaborative relationship with the clients we have and help them just let us be your Jerry Maguire, help us help you and really kind of have that trusted relationship. And I think that's going to be key. Words matter and your title matters. I think it's very powerful and important. It's one thing to say, oh, we have a chief innovation officer. That's important, 100%. But again, words matter and including clinical in that title. Wow. To me, that is so exciting. Can you take us behind the scenes of it? How did this all come to be in the first place? (laughs) How does one land chief clinical innovation officer? How did it come to be, my friend? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. Well, first you need an amazing leader. So I'm going to give a shout out to Mary Edward is a former Accenture uh, executive, but she's a luminary in the space too. And I'd love for you to interview her and hear her point of view. She approached me and it's one of those things where you, when you're knee deep in work and you just love what you do, especially around health equity, you like the buffet. Why would you think about going to another buffet at another casino? You're like, this one's just perfect. But what was compelling was this notion of being able to activate the ideas. So I get to still be a consultant. I love the travel. I love interacting with clients. I love this idea of not just a one-off experience with a client and move on to the next, but just just keep going back and say, hey, what did our strategy, how does it look now? And it's almost looking at the baby you've been trying to deliver for months and how does it look on the, at one year, two year, three year. When I was thinking about this, they were looking for someone to help really bring a point of view and a credentialed experience for our clients to say that if I'm going to talk to the chief medical officer from ABC firm, that there's a sense that we're not just a technology company that happens to be in health, we're a health company and we understand technology. So it's the same way, like I say, look, I'm not a doctor who happens to be in technology. I'm a consultant who happens to be a doctor. And so my primary role as that consultant is the same as if there was a code. I run the code and help this patient who is our client, but not everybody in the room needs to be in the code, right? I don't need blockchain, AI, and everybody there. I might just need respiratory. So I might just need an operations expert who can help them understand we have a problem with clinicians leaving and how do we stop burnout or how do we stop these things? And so it's really understanding the problem. How does that get to be? I just said, hey, they were looking for someone to take a role like this. And I said, I love this title and are you cool with it? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And then what's even better is just trying to explain that to my kids because they're like, I don't know what a chief clinical, what does that do? I mean, do we still get toys? And that's all that's important to them. For me, it's less about the titles. They do matter but it's about the work. So yes, I'm doing this. Success for me is to see what we can do with our clients and what we can do in the space, right? All of us are working. It's interesting. We're all trying to help and do... I've not met a single healthcare company who's trying to hurt people or try to do the opposite. Everybody's trying to do something. But I think there's an art to this, just like there's an art in medicine. There's an art to how you bring the right conversation, the right technology, and the right thinking And to me, the world, and we'll get to it, but the way the world is evolving in health and the definition of a provider is not what it was 10 years ago or 15 years ago, even three years ago, even six months ago, it's evolving every day. Well, you teed me up actually to go there because this is important. And you said it earlier, the world has changed rapidly over the past 14 months with the pandemic. I mean, everything from, look what happened at telehealth, what we thought was going to happen in 10 years, boom, compressed in six, three months, right? Right. Look at the vaccine, unbelievable leveraging mRNA technology and getting that out into the marketplace. Phenomenal, phenomenal science and breakthroughs. And as my father-in-law always loves to say that innovation is the mother of necessity, right? So there it is. It had to happen. So true. I believe the genie is out of the bottle. She is now out and we have to embrace it. Innovation is here. It's going to continue to push in healthcare. We have to do it. Now is the time. There's no better time than now to really get after it and create some meaningful opportunity to push the industry forward. So with that, Dr. Peterson, where do you see your work heading? What are you guys contemplating right now at NTT Data Services? What's on the horizon, right? We just, like yeah. I said, past 14 months were insane in regards to the compression sure. of innovation. What are you guys seeing over the next kind of two to three, three to five years? What do we need to be contemplating 
Where do you see things heading? Well, this is a whole separate podcast. I'm happy to rebook because I just want to have another conversation with you. But in a nutshell, I think that there is an imperative to be different than if you think of, and I saw this article, an opinion page on the Washington Post, which was think of the pandemic as Sputnik and it created the space age. And now we're going to be in this health age post pandemic. So post pandemic, it's an ongoing theme. So what you have are a new way of working, a new way of interacting with things like airlines and restaurants, a new way of thinking around health. And if you really think about it too, it's been an upskill in, I would say, health literacy to some point. People know what Pfizer vaccines are. They understand you said mRNA. And let's call that out, right? I think that is Nobel Prize winning effort, right? To save the world by creating a vaccine within a year. I mean, not even, not even the normal schedule. And we take it for granted because we're so used to consuming and things so fast. And some people just were like, took long enough. But in my mind, if you understand the science, it's mind-blowing how phenomenal. But if you take that thinking, that's the nudge of innovation that's going to happen post-pandemic, which is that companies now are going to realize we have to invest in our mindset and some things over the horizon, right? We all know that the model of care is going to change. And you've had numerous conversations around this. But I think if we think about not just the change in models of care, it's really around, there's a lot of shiny objects. And how do I thread these science shiny objects to solve a clinical journey? And I think to be able to integrate those, so that's the future, right? At the end of the day, I've never had a patient say, hey, Dr. Peterson, where'd you go to med school? And what were your grades? Or Dr. Peterson, where'd you do your residency? And they don't care. There's this trusted experience between myself and this patient. And what they care about is what's important to them, which is, do I need antibiotics or not? Do I need a school note? And is my kid going to be okay? Or is my mom and dad going to be okay? We have to think of those priorities and the world and our patients, no matter what their financial background is, whether affluent, underserved, the same expectation for that consumer experience does exist based on other things in their lives. So we have to get smart about that. And so I think the big bet is going to be around experience. How do we make things seamless across clinical journeys, which is not how we think about it today. And when I say we, I'm part of this, right? So it's this complicated thousands of vendors, companies, all with their hearts in the right place. The approach is a hit and miss. And so what I see on the horizon are, we're talking about the definition of provider. Uh, We see the definition of provider evolving. Meaning it's not going to be Dr. Mike Peterson and Nurse Jones. It's going to be a patient or a person consuming some health information, some health experience, whether it be through their health plan, provider system, a virtual assistant, some sensory. There's going to be this new way, this evolving provider theme. But again, back to why patients don't care what is in it for Mike, what Mike Peterson is and who he is. They don't care about what system got my prescription to Walgreens or what system triggered the drone to deliver it to my house. They don't care, right? They care about that it gets there. And so we have to think in the same way that the consumer space has done really well, which is they solve for the experience. Now, this is the big catch-22. Everyone always says, well, why can't we do this in health? Well, health is complicated. And it turns out that if you're trying to solve something, let's say it's around mother-baby, well, because of the social determinants of health and health equity challenges, you can't think of the same problem as the same. So you get trapped into doing this one-size-fits-all. And we get trapped into thinking just a small investment is all we need to do to test it. And it's going to prove out. 
And what we find out when we do these small quote unquote pilots, which I love that Satin Jane throughout this really great comment that we overpilot in health. And that's sort of part of the learning that we do and why progress. So how do we get out of that? And so I think that we have to make bold moves. And if we don't, I hate to say the word pivot, but if we don't transform the way we think and approach communities, we think sometimes it's just the patient. How do they come into my system through a digital front door? It's beyond that. Once they get connected in, it's been able to serve up holistically things that they can consume at their level in a way that helps solve their problems. Well, one thing I love that you hit on, because you know, I'm a community builder myself. I built a whole healthcare innovation campus in downtown Denver, where I'm recording this podcast right now with you. It's amazing that one of the big things that's going to help innovate healthcare is going back to something that we've been doing for millennia, the power of community. I couldn't agree more with that. Trust me, they make hairs on my arm stand up because I've seen it with my own eyes here, just a catalyst, what the power of community, the power of togetherness and thinking through what that means on how we can really drive health. And I'm talking all forms of it, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, right? There's just so much tied to that notion of community. And then like you said, having the technology and innovation there to support all of that, to help lead it. I love it. So thank you for sharing those thoughts and where you see things heading, Dr. Peterson. But of course, we want to be here to help you out and all the wonderful things happening at NTT Data Services. What's one problem, need, or question that you and the team have that we can be helping you with? That's great. I like what you just said, Michael, when you talk about community, because when we think about health equity, it's going to be solved through a community ecosystem of partners. And I just wanted to put that out there. In the same vein, that's what we want to do at NTT Data Services, which is we want to partner. And so one thing that I think would be helpful, especially as we think about our new innovation center in Tennessee, which is I'll call out for every vendor to call me tomorrow. But the idea here is the community would be great in helping us understand who who are the right partners out there that are solving uh, really unique problems around health equity or very specific use cases on mother baby or diabetes, et cetera. So that's one is who are the partners out there and how can we connect? How can we be a part of the community is another thing that I'd like for us to be is that you can't help clients with understanding the emerging trends in health without having those people who are creating those trends be part of a partnership with you. And so we're very big on partnerships and we want to catalyze opportunities for some of these health companies that are doing great work. And I think that's part of it, right? Which is there's a lot of great ideas. They just don't get a chance to get to the stage and have that moment. And so I think one of the things I want to do as part of innovation is to, you got to constantly, like just in medicine, I will never know medicine, no clinician, physician, nurse will ever know everything there is to know about medicine, right? It's continuous learning. It's the same thing with all of us in this space, especially in the technology side, is that it is evolving so fast and there's so much happening. There's an emotional piece to it. So people react to marketing. This company created and they're merging with that. And there's like, oh, wow. Oh my God, what are they going to do? I think if we just stay the course and stick to the plan that we create for ourselves along helping solve these challenges around clinical journeys, I think all those shiny objects that happen in the market won't deter you from your path of really solving it because we tend to pause for a second and go, well, wait, what do we need to do to prepare for the Walmart health or the Amazon health? And I think there's a huge thinking around to stay the course. You're not going to go to Amazon health or Apple health or Walmart health for surgery. So someone's going to need to be a trusted brand. And so trust is so important. 
in this space. Well, I'm going to tie a lot of themes together here right now. So <laughs> yeah. front end, we talked football. We yeah. talked startups, helping our startups out, right? And giving them an opportunity because it's tough as a two-person startup with a seed round of capital to really yeah. make a big mark in healthcare. It's tough. I've worn that t-shirt. Trust me, it's tough. Yeah. Not only what you guys are doing at NTT Data Services, we're doing the same thing at all of it. It's the football colloquialism. We love being the fullback for those startup running back. Every yeah. good running back has an amazing fullback. I mean, come yeah. on now, right? So yeah. touchdown, yeah. Tommy Vardell, Stanford football. The guy was a legend, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so every good startup, every good innovator, they need those fullbacks. And I know what you're pushing over at NTT Data Services with that notion of partnerships, bringing in new innovation, bringing in that startup and innovation community that you're so passionate about. This is how we move the ball down the field. I thought you'd appreciate me tying everything oh, together there. I feel like you looked at my playbook because I actually used that analogy to say that just like a football team on the field, you have different players with different assignments and they're going towards a goal. The goal is to get a touchdown, but sometimes the goal is just to get one yard or the goal is to position for, a, you'll get this, a nice field goal. And when we think of it, but also it's not the same players for every play, right? So you bring in different specialists. So that's where I think the ecosystem of health is going to be in the sporting analogy, which is huddle up, create the game plan. You know the play, we know it, execute. And that's the big piece that we've talked about the plays and you can have as many meetings as you want in the coaching sessions, but now you got to get on the field and do that work. And I think that that's key. Look at us. We can go all day on this. I love it. I mean, football it is. I mean, is football season here yet, by the way? My gosh. Coming up in about four months, right? I hear you. Absolutely. (laughs) So, well, thank you for sharing that. But of course, if we want to build that ecosystem, build that community to really rally around each other, to push healthcare forward, we need to be able to get a hold of you, Dr. Peterson. Where do yeah. we find you online? Social media handles, websites, or otherwise? How do we get a hold of you? Perfect. I'm on LinkedIn, just Michael Peterson with an E. And then I'm also on Twitter at mpeterson underscore MD. And I'm also in Clubhouse with the same tag name. And I'm just because of the photography thing, I'm going to try to create an Instagram page where I'm going to think about health equity through the lens of photography and really try to tell that story. So that's been a thought of mine for a while. And I definitely want to do that to really tell that story through pictures. There's nothing wrong with that creative outlet. Actually, it's a very healthy thing to do. I love it. When you launch it, let me know. We'll update the episode notes for this episode, get that in there. But for our community tuning in, you can find all those contact points in the episode notes. Just simply scroll down in your podcast player and click on through to get a hold of Dr. Peterson and the team over at NTT Data Services as well. You can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. We will have a post for this episode where you can also leave comments, feedback, questions or otherwise for Dr. Peterson and his team, again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, we're going to, as you said, there's multiple conversations and podcast episodes from this initial episode. So we're going to have to have you back. So just going to throw it it out there now. We'll have you back. Thank you very Um, much. I'd be honored. Absolutely. But to close it out though, I do have one more segment here. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because I'm committed to helping solve health equity for all underserved communities every day. I love it. Oh man, Dr. Peterson, thank you so much for getting together today. Just was so excited to be able to finally book you, bring you on the show and have our community be able to hear from you. Somebody that I highly admire, highly respect, and just have a huge opportunity to be able to work alongside you in this industry. Having leaders like you there every day, I know we're going to get there and push this industry forward. So thank you for all that you do. And thank you for taking the time to be on our podcast today. Mike, I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been fun and I knew it was going to go by fast. So really, really deeply appreciate it for the time. It was just such a great experience. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.